0: These sanctuary cities are going to harbor and conceal criminally legal aliens from ICE, which is in direct violation of Title 8 of the U.S. Code. Federal arrest warrants should be issued for their elected officials. I know that we're all going to make a deal on health care. That's such an easy one.
1: Resist, insist, persist, enlist. Together, we must declare that the era of allowing their brutality against women and children is over.
2: It's time to make America great again. Join the
1: movement. Neil A. Caruso,
2: The Neil A. Caruso Show time to dream big, informative, insightful, and valiant leadership, telling it the way it is to make a difference. All right, Thursday, March 30th, 2017, the Neil A. Curso Show podcast on a busy Thursday, not as busy as the other days of the week, but we still have a hell of a lot to talk about. Uh, so welcome to the program, everybody. Uh, just realized it is episode 39 which means episode 40 is tomorrow. I can't believe uh, all this time has passed, but we are doing our part to make America great again, and so are you by listening, so we are uh, welcoming to all those who are listening from both sides of the political spectrum. We, we welcome everybody. Um, uh, let's start with uh, the New York Times report today, and we, we'll get to a lot today, Sanctuary Cities later on, uh, some Uh, a report out about uh, the new sanctuary cities and jurisdictions. We'll get into that, and the details we'll give you uh, that later on, plus media bias, and and Hillary won't go away. That's uh, later. But let's start on this New York Times report. That came out today about uh, White White House um, sources giving information to Devin Nunez, the House Intelligence Committee chairperson. So, all right. A lot of this is kind of blown out of proportion. Uh, I listened to the Sean Spicer press briefing today, which is like an interrogation every day. I really don't know how Spicer does that um, every day to stand there and take all of these questions. I I don't know if I'd be able to do all that. But it's like an interrogation every day, and I'm listening to it, and they're pinning him on these White House sources. Now, let's be fair— on this, uh, you know, they're reporting on the process of this whole thing, and we'll get into process later as well. Um, but Devin Nunez, being the House Intelligence Chairperson, he's a Republican from California who's overseeing this investigation. That is his job to oversee to keep our intelligence accountable, and he's getting uh, been getting a lot of backlash. And you know, we've been talking about the story that I put up connecting the dots. Between all this intelligence that shows that President Trump was surveilled by the Obama administration. You can look at all of the, are they coincidences or are they on purpose? I would say nothing that is done in Washington, D.C. is done without intent. Meaning, when President Barack Hussein Obama expands the power of the NSA in January in his final days in office to allow globally intercepted communications to be shared among 16 intelligence agencies, meaning intelligence can get lost in the Washington bureaucracy. Is that intentional so that any leaks, because just a few days after that, even closer to when he left office, he left a intentional trail of intelligence about the Russian meddling probe into the election. And that was left for investigators and for it to be illegally leaked to the media. Is that done on purpose? You know, he's reportedly built a nerve center in his Washington, D.C. home so that he can fight the Trump agenda. This is all done on purpose, folks. Nothing in Washington, D.C. is done without intent. You have to understand that. And so now Devin Nunez, he's overseeing... This intelligence, his job was to keep our intelligence agencies accountable. Now, I don't think he's really done a remarkable job. Um, You know, was I? uh, Did I feel happy about the fact that he came out and in a non-classified setting, and he did not reveal classified information? But he told the press he said, "Listen, we have information to believe that President Trump may be right." He said then uh, on television that I'd be concerned if I were President Trump, and that's why he had to know. Now, the president knows anyway, at least he should, because the president is supposed to have the highest top-secret clearance out of anyone in the country. He's supposed to know everything. So you got to take him on his word as as far as intelligence is concerned when he says, I have reason to believe that I was surveilled. But instead, they question him. They believe that he's making it up. They're, he has claims, surveillance claims is the, the wording in the papers. You know, if Obama made that accusation, it's believable. They would take him at his word. They're not giving credit to someone who knows all of this information as it is. Now, Devin Nunez, his job is to oversee, as long uh, along with Adam Schiff, who is the Democratic um, uh, House Intelligence uh, Committee president, um, is one of the uh, top people in the the ranking Democrat of the House Intelligence Committee. Um, so, yes, he should know about it, too. Should Nunez have maybe told his colleagues in the House Intel Committee? I don't know. Maybe. But the point is, Trump knew about it already. He had reason to believe. He seemed pretty scared about what was in that information. And we've seen the mounting leaks. You know, Sunday's program, we're going to dedicate the Real Deal segment to the Connecting the Dots, and to show you where these leaks are coming from, which we've discussed on this program, but we're going to put it right there for you on the screen on Sunday. And we're back on uh, on Sunday. We took last Sunday. We were off, um, but we're, we are back this Sunday. So was Nunez wrong in going to the White House? Why did he go to the White House? Well, the reason that he gave, which makes a lot of sense, is that Even, and I'll talk about the sources in a second, but the reason why he went to the White House is to go to the secure location, it's called the SCIF. It's a secure location where no one will be able to see that intelligence. And he is able to get briefed by officials. He is able to look at the intelligence firsthand in a secure location without having it being seeped out and leaks. And Washington, D.C., leaks like a faucet. And there's a lot of... Uh, intersection between politicians with agendas and the media with an agenda. You know, you always have to wonder, when something is leaked, why was it leaked? Who leaked it? And if it's a politician, then, you know, clearly they're trying to make someone look bad. Or they're trying to put pressure on their colleagues. That's how the political games work. If it's an intelligence official leaking, which... We have very cl- a very good reason to believe that that so-called, you know, that dossier that was written by a British spy and had baseless information and couldn't be substantiated, the media had it. They did not report on it. BuzzFeed did. I don't consider BuzzFeed a media source. And when BuzzFeed published that, the question was, who leaked it? Well, who had access to that information? Former Director of National Intelligence James Clapper was in, the, in that intel briefing. For President Trump, reportedly James Comey, the FBI director, gave the information to Trump, Uh, the CIA director at the time, John Brennan, and NSA director Michael Rogers. Those are the four people that were in the classified intelligence briefing for then-president-elect Trump. So were they the ones that leaked it? And if they're leaking it, what the hell is their motivation? And they should be going to jail. I mean, that's espionage. That is espionage. So these White House sources, if they gave information to Nunez and they told him, hey, we have information, we want you to look at it. Let me ask you, what's wrong with that? You know, let me give you an analogy. If you work for somebody and you see something like, you know, I don't know, this doesn't smell right. And you go to your boss and say, hey, you know, Dave, take a look at this. I don't I don't know. Is this correct? What's wrong with that? You're checking. Or if you have to report to a uh, federal agency, whatever it may be. You know, Say it's your report to the SEC, for example, or wherever. What's so wrong with just checking to make sure that everything is straight? So the White House sources, which, listen, you know Trump has the information already. He's the president. So enough with, well, how could you be talking to the president about information about, that he's alleging about wiretapping? Well, he knows the information already. So if you have two people in the White House, and it wasn't the press side of things, it was the uh, political side of the West Wing, you know, telling Nunez, hey, listen, uh, we have something here, I want you to take a look at it, because you're overseeing this investigation. I'm just going to give you what we know. As long as they didn't tamper with the evidence, and that's what has to be determined by not only Devin Nunez as the House Intelligence Chairman, but the House— Intelligence Committee, the Senate Intelligence Committee, the FBI, the CIA, and the NSA. They should all be looking at that. So if they have reason to believe, and President Trump has documentation that he was wiretapped or surveilled, as we know, through illegal leaks and through media reporting, what's so wrong with him saying, listen, I just want you to take a look at this. it's a classified. You're allowed to see it because you have clearance to see it. Just take a look at this. You know, check it out. It's it's the equivalent of passing on information to your boss to say, check it out. It's equivalent to just passing along information. It wasn't leaked. It was given to him in a secure location in the skiff in the White House. What is so wrong with that? If you find something wrong with that, let me know. Tweet at me if you think something's wrong with that. But Trump has this information already. And then, you know... Speaking of James Comey, and I said yesterday, how did James Comey, um, or I didn't say it yesterday, I wrote this on my Facebook page today, you know, I get these days confused. Let me ask you this, how did James Comey become a household name? We should not know who the FBI director is. Now, today we find out in a report from uh, Newsweek, I believe it was, and uh, they uh, had a report that said that James Comey wanting to write an op-ed, an opinion piece, uh, months before um, the they actually came out with the fact that Russia was uh, trying to tamper with our election. He had a draft of it or an outline, an administrator uh, insider said. He had held up a piece of paper in a meeting and said, I want to go forward what do people think of this? And, you know, I have a lot of questions when it comes to James Comey here. First of all, now this was shot down by the Obama administration to write an op-ed. On the op-ed itself, why would an FBI director want to write an opinion piece when, you know, if you want to talk about we're going to get into some uh, media bias later. If you want to talk about facts versus opinion and commentary, the FBI director is supposed to—I shouldn't say control. He's supposed to present factual information to people—to the American people, right? That's his job. Here's factual evidence. We have to prove this. We have sources— We did our investigation. That's what the FBI does. They investigate. Why would James Comey then want to write an opinion piece? That does not make sense to me. And, you know, I can ask questions about the Obama administration. What was the motivation to conceal the investigation in the first place until Donald Trump won? Was it that Democrats are just blaming Russia for Trump's election when we know no votes were changed at the ballot, that Russia did not change anything at the machines? So what is this all about? If Hillary won, and she won the popular vote, which means the election obviously couldn't have been altered because the electoral college just goes on the basis of the popular vote. So if Hillary won the popular vote, Russia obviously could not have changed anything in this election. But if Hillary won, the Electoral College, would we even know about this Russian meddling, or would they conceal that? They, as soon as Trump won, oh, well, it's Russia. They they meddled in the election. Um, now, just to give you the timeline on that, because they came out with it soon, uh, they came out with that on October 7th uh, uh, with a report. Comey wanted to go public in June or July with this. About the same time... That he came out on July 5th and said Hillary Clinton uh, sent or received 110 classified emails. She uh, those emails were uh, secret access information. She committed all these crimes, but at the same point, we're not going to we're not going to recommend charges. You know that day was so baffling to me because he laid out all of these felonies. You know the fact that she used a private email server. She used it in foreign nations. She sent classified information on this private server, but she wasn't recommended to be indicted. <laughs> so then Republicans, rightfully so, are throwing Comey off a cliff. Then he—and Democrats are praising him. Then he comes out and says, oh, we're revisiting it. This is before the election, soon before the election. Then he says again, all right, we're fine, okay? Okay. The FBI's policy is not to comment on investigation. So if that's your policy, then stick by your policy. Don't make exceptions. There are no exceptions. Okay. That deals with Comey. And I've said this since July, really, that Comey has to go. And it has nothing to do with the fact that I believe Hillary should have been indicted. Because, frankly, even if he did recommend—if he recommended indictment charges, fine. But you can't just come out there, make a political statement, insert yourself into politics in an election for no reason. You know, there has to be a reason here. The whole Russia thing, when we know he didn't change votes, I mean, listen, this existed. Russia's been uh, going into elections and trying to meddle with Countries, elections, not just ours, are right now meddling into France. This has existed since the 70s, maybe before that. So, in all that time, why are we so outraged now? Yeah, Russia helped Trump. That makes a lot of sense. They just didn't like Hillary. But they should have loved Hillary, because she gave them uranium. That's the story for later, by the way, in terms of how the media covered Trump's tweet about uranium and... Well, we did a better job of fact-checking that, frankly. Um, so do you feel that Comey should be fired by President Trump, which he can do, and replace him with someone who has not inserted himself into a political debate? I mean, a long time ago, the CIA officers, all these guys, and this is still the way with operatives who are working on the ground, we don't know who they are, nor should we. They're secret agents. We shouldn't even know what the name of the FBI director is. I mean, I would, but you shouldn't, frankly. That's the way it should work. I mean, uh, any of you know the name of the NSA director? Admiral Mike Rogers? And a lot of you didn't until you probably testifying this week if you're paying attention to it and, and watching uh, the, the hearings on C-SPAN or wherever. But unless you're doing that, you don't know the name of the NSA director, and you shouldn't. You shouldn't know the name of the FBI director. You shouldn't, uh, honestly. He should be covert. And Colmey's just been a political figure, and he's got to go, he wants to write an opinion piece? Seriously? Just present the facts and do your job. He wants to write an opinion piece. He's loving this attention. Um, Sanctuary City's coming up. Uh, you know, Sheriff Thomas uh, Hodgkin, or, uh, Hogson is his name. He, uh, is a sheriff from Massachusetts, uh, Bristol County. And, uh, he came out and said, and you heard in the intro clip, I, I won't play it again, but uh, in the intro I put this clip in there where he said that mayors should be prosecuted if they do not abide by sanctuary city law. This is a sheriff, a law enforcement sheriff. So there's a lot of new data that came out uh, in a weekly report. It actually came out yesterday, but we're going to talk about it today a shameless list of Sanctuary cities, more sanctuary cities. In fact, two states are now, their full state is a sanctuary for illegal immigrants and criminal illegal aliens. We're going to talk about the danger of that, plus the details in terms of the retainer, uh, d- detainer requests and uh, and how this all shapes up uh, with sanctuary cities. We'll do a little bit of an investigation into that, plus media bias and Hillary Clinton citing an opinion piece herself, but then... You know, they criticize anyone who cites a fact story from a conservative outlet. So, let's talk about that. Hypocrisy and Planned Parenthood. Um, get to all that when we come back. So, stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. The Neal Crusoe Show podcast on this March 30th. Exciting things on nealacaruso.com. Supporting our vets, getting people back to work, and uncovering corruption and lunacy. Log on to nealacaruso.com.
0: Learn how you can do your part at SmokyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester.
2: Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel. And a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me.
1: Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at stoptackstopwrecks.org brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration
0: he never stop working for you the American people a star is born
2: Neal Crusoe has the inside scoop and common sense analysis on today's breaking news on the A. Caruso Show Podcast. All right, we are back on this March 30th. Um, so Sanctuary City's new report as the administration is putting out, the Homeland Security uh, putting out every week a list of Sanctuary City crime, which is great because it is transparent and it's being reported on, at least by some outlets, And you need to know about all this. Um, So let me just tell you what's in it. This is basically a name and shame list of sanctuary cities. So Baltimore, the police commissioner has said officers would not work with federal agents to enforce immigration laws. You know, the law states, uh, 8 U.S. Code 1373, says that uh, local uh, law enforcement must work with federal law enforcement. They must communicate. With them, You must communicate across law enforcement agencies. Communication is key with anything, but in law enforcement, it's uh, the difference between life and death. So the law states it, the Constitution states it. You know, I look at—today uh, I'm reading the Constitution, and uh, yeah, believe it or not, I, I read the Constitution. Um, and Article 4, Section 4, says it is—and well, uh, you know, Michael Cutler said this the other day—that— um, it is the federal government's responsibility to protect states against invasion. Well, when you're having illegals coming into the country, I mean, you know, last time they had this, this first weekly report, the week of Trump's inauguration, um, 200 detainer requests were made, and a lot of them ignored to detain criminal illegal aliens. We're not talking about, you know, uh, jaywalking here. We're talking about drugs— we were talking about crime. We we're talking about sexual assault. We we're talking about gang members. And that was all in that first week. So now, this week, and it's still too high, but there was a large drop in a number of known illegal immigrants shielded by uh, sanctuaries during the second full week of operations. Just 47 detainer requests were refused between, four, between uh, February 4th and February 10th. Um, which was down from more than 200, like I said, detainer requests ignored and local law enforcement not working with federal agents. And allowing criminal—I mean, these are detainer requests for criminals, and they're allowing them to stay in your community. Tell me what the sense and how that's a sanctuary for citizens and for other immigrants who are in these communities who now have criminals on the loose. Uh, You know, I'm uh, watching—this morning, my coffee, I'm watching Dog the Bounty Hunter, okay? These are citizens who are being hunted down. Great show, by the way. Very good show, and I know Dog is a uh, Trump supporter. And, you know, you're watching uh, how law and order takes place. And that, you know, you commit a crime, you do the time. And if you weren't supposed to be here in the first place and it should have been prevented, how are you just released? You know, if I committed a crime, there would be, you know, a whole brigade of people that would love to lock me up. The number of jurisdictions that have uh, polices deemed to be uncooperative spiked. So, there are now 117, or excuse me, there were 117 jurisdictions that went up now to 150 Sanctuary city jurisdictions, according to the list from U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Some of the research that I compiled, though, a couple months ago was that there were 300 jurisdictions. So I don't know where to believe. But the government says 150, so we'll go with that. But uh, I saw documentation that was about 300 jurisdictions, but I guess that's what—it depends how you define jurisdictions. Uh, there were some cities that pulled out of the list. I'll tell you those, and then I'll tell you about the states that said, we're not going to enforce laws, just anyone can walk for it. A number, so on the positive, a number of Iowa cities listed in the first week were pulled from the list, as were uh, Bedford and Franklin counties in Pennsylvania. Nassau County in New York, which is interesting for for the fact that in Hempstead in Nassau County, there was a criminal illegal alien who sexually assaulted a two-year-old, and he also was deported four times, in here a fifth time. He had previous cases— including um, sexual assault, and he was an admitted gang member. So very nice, you know, just living in our community, not far from where we are recording this podcast. So Nassau County is no longer a sanctuary city. Clay, Florida, no longer a sanctuary city. But the entire states of Connecticut and California were added. Dozens of cities inside California. So you have a whole state that I guess wants to succeed from the union, California and Connecticut, um, that are not going to work with federal agents. So if you're a criminal legal alien, you cross the border from San Diego into California, and you're home free. You're, You're fine. But then the problem is you then walk into, you cross the border from California, and you leave California. No one knows who you are. You have no documentation. We can't track you. You know, they know everything about us American citizens. They don't know anything about these illegal criminals who may have been deported and have come back. They may be a mini gang members. They may be rapists and drug dealers. All of this, by the way, goes on. And we know that in that first week of this report, MS-13 gang members, rapists, um, sexual assault abusers, uh, wife beaters, they were all rounded up. And there's still more out there. And so they could come in, and then they can go from California to another state that's not a sanctuary city, but live there, and unless they're caught, they're fine. That's what we're living in. Baltimore is a new addition this week. Added to the list band, uh, Police Commissioner Kevin Davis's comments um, signaling his policy of non-cooperation. Commissioner Davis says officers won't ask the legal status of those they encounter, nor will they work with federal agents for the sole purpose of enforcing immigration law. Wait a minute, okay? Now, I respect the police. I thank the police. They do an incredible job. And I believe most of them are truly want to protect us. I believe that. I know that. But you have a police commissioner in Baltimore who is not doing his job. His job is to uphold the law. His job is to enforce the law. He's a law enforcement official. And he's saying we're not going to enforce the law. We're going to pick and choose what laws we abide by. That's criminal. Unbelievable. And all these mayors like Bill de Blasio in New York and the California Los Angeles mayor and Rahm Emanuel of Chicago, they're all saying, well, we're not going to abide by the law. Well, how's the crime doing in Chicago, by the way? Oh, not too good, huh? What are we going to do? When are we sending in the National Guard? Uh These mayors, you have 75 U.S. mayors now, just to move on to another topic in terms of climate policies that uh, President Trump is putting forth. Um, 75 mayors joining together, uh, taking a page from mayors and governors who announced that they will not assist federal authorities with the illegal immigrants in a sanctuary city effort, has announced that they will not enforce the White House recent rollback of Obama-era climate policies. Now, I didn't really talk about this much. I did make a comment about what are our priorities Are our priorities going to be about, you know, getting people uh, off food stamps and out of the labor force uh, or into the labor force, for that matter. Or is it going to be to protect the climate against all things? And, you know, you saw in February 8,000 coal mining jobs came back, according to the labor report. Manufacturing jobs coming back. That's what we need to see. They have a family. Let them support their family. That's their livelihood. And so here you have 75 mayors signing off. You have the New York City Mayor Bill DeBond, who is such an idiot, Los Angeles, San Francisco, D.C., as well as smaller cities like Santa Monica, California, Park City, Utah, and Eugene, Oregon. As part of the Mayor's National Climate Action Agenda, also known as Climate Mayors, this group is standing together in defiance of Trump's recent executive order. Um, they say climate action is also an investment in our economy and job creation. Electric vehicles, solar power, energy efficiency, and battery storage are all avenues to restoring our nation's manufacturing base and create good middle-class jobs, says the climate mayor's letter to President Trump. Um, The one thing here, though, is, is it really creating jobs or is it taking away jobs? Are you taking away from coal miners and manufacturers by having a lot of, EPA regulations that, frankly, uh, are a little little too uh, big government overreach for my liking. Um, you know, people need to be able to work. Uh, you can't just be pulling jobs away. And President Trump has already created jobs. Look at the manufacturing. You, you have 20 jobs announcements that have come out since November 8th. You know, and... And that amounts to over $100 billion and over 1.8 million American jobs just since November 8th. Big league. Big league jobs. Um, so now these mayors, though, uh, you have an example here. Trump announced he was changing vehicle fuel efficiency standards. So climate mayors, which included the mayors in New York and Los Angeles, we gave you the mayors, they responded by ordering $10 billion worth of electrical vehicles for their city fleets. So... They'll spend $10 billion for electrical vehicles, but they won't get our homeless off the street and into shelters when they're freezing out in the cold. They won't put $10 billion into our Veterans Affairs Administration and clean up the corruption. They won't take $10 billion and invest it in the private sector and say, here, Let's, if you want to do an infrastructure bill, let's do it right. Let's take the money away from government and let's let's let the private sector rebuild our roads and bridges that are uh, that are dilapidated. Okay, so they just waste money because they love to waste money. Where's this $10 billion coming from? Oh, our wallet. You know, this is why we need to, if you're going to be involved, get involved. Speak up about it. About issues that matter, where your money is going. And all these taxes that you're paying. Unbelievable. And, you know, President Trump made a step towards energy independence this week because he said, well, if we have our own oil, and that's another thing Obama screwed Trump on, was by uh, making sure that Trump can't drill in uh, in the Arctic. But if we can... Uh, And there are, listen, there are scientific evidence that suggests fracking is not the best method. I get that. I'm not refuting that. I'm not refuting climate change, but uh, I am concerned about priority being jobs and about people's livelihood. And I'm also concerned that when we're taking oil from Saudi Arabia that beheads women, that stones women to death if they commit adultery, that teaches women that uh, men, that you have to abide by men and they practice Sharia law they throw homosexuals off buildings they persecute Christians and Jews I'm concerned that we're taking oil from Saudi Arabia and just by taking that oil and allowing money to flow into here and by paying them that we're not taking them seriously for national security because we have economic interests and everything comes down to money and everything can be traced to money and so I'm concerned, folks, that by, like, letting it come down to money and by saying, well, you know, they give us billions of dollars worth of oil every year. We, you know, we can't suspend them from coming into the country. Well, then I'm concerned that we're going to have another terrorist attack. And so we have to put our national security first, money second. It's hard for politicians to deal with. But uh, let's put our people first, our United States first, for which you serve— and we pay your salaries, and let's not be beholden to foreign oil. You know, let's have energy independence, and we don't have to rely on those countries. Um, there's a story that I saw in terms of um, Planned Parenthood. Now, the headline is, but I want to get into substance here, and this is how I'm going to talk about the media bias in a second. The Washington Post, this is the headline. Two activists who filmed undercover videos of Planned Parenthood charged with 15 felonies. The first, the lead in the story says the two anti-abortion activists who mounted a hidden camera investigation against Planned Parenthood officials have been charged with 15 felony accounts of violating the privacy of health care providers by recording confidential information without their consent. Now, I have a question here because nowhere in this story does it talk about what we found in those videos. A um, The former Planned Parenthood director in one of these videos, and I've seen them, they're uh, produced by um, uh, by James O'Keefe, uh, Project Veritas, which revealed a lot about the Democratic Party in terms of uh, corruption, in terms of their dirty tactics in the election, all undercover, which I think did a service here, almost like how WikiLeaks revealed a lot. I mean, you know, did we have to find out that way or— you know, could the DNC have been more transparent that they gave questions to Hillary Clinton? That they rigged the primary and all that. But, on this story, the former Planned Parenthood director, in one of these undercover videos, suge- suggested that burning a lot—or, uh, born—excuse me, I can't even read my own handwriting— um, babies that are already born, um, we allow to die— Quote, Depends on who's the r- in the room. So what the director of Planned Parenthood suggested was that they can actually murder. I'm not even talking about abortion. And yes, in the third trimester, when a baby can survive outside the mother's womb, and you know, if you can't have the baby for financial reasons or whatever, there are other options. You know, you can give birth and then set the baby up for to have some sort of chance in life by putting them up for adoption. So, do I believe that abortion is murder in the third time answer? Yes, I do. I think that's pretty common sense. I don't want to get into an abortion debate, but what I'm saying in this story was that you have an undercover video here that shows that the director of Planned Parenthood said that alive babies that are born, that are out of the mother's womb, we will allow to die, quote, depends on who's in the room. So if someone says, yeah, we need you to kill this baby first, they'll actually murder the baby. Okay, so how come that's not the story? And the story is that the two activists who filmed these undercover Planned Parenthood are charged with 15 felonies. And nowhere in this Washington Post piece does it talk about the substance that deals with the fact that those videos revealed that Planned Parenthood aborts babies and, and not only that, but kills babies outside of the womb. That, folks, that's a that's a murder. I'm talking about abortion, which I guess that's a gray line, even though I don't see it. This is murder, and that's not even in this article. And that's the substance of the story, because if you actually look at the videos, and I've watched them, there are a lot of hours of videos there. But they won't report on that. Because why? As a muckraking journalist, you know, kind of like Jacob Reese, if you've ever, ever studied him, he was the one in, in the... Uh, 1920s in New York City that uh, took video, uh, took pictures, excuse me, and uh, there's a book called How the Other Half Lives, and he took pictures of inner-city slums in New York City showing how people lived, you know, the fact that they didn't have a bathroom, that they would literally throw their crap, their their literal feces, out the window because they didn't have a bathroom, that they were living in unsanitary conditions, that they were living Um, you know, 20 people in one room in one small crammed apartment and that they were dying of disease. He revealed this. He's a muckraker is how they call them. So this journalist, James O'Keefe, you know, is revealing all this through undercover videos and, you know, 15 felonies for these two activists who filmed the videos. But they also revealed that they're killing babies depending on who's in the room. How is that not the story? So this just goes for today's story. Now, last night, CBS Evening News, on uh, Wednesday night, uh, Scott Pelley uh, talks about how there's, quote, no credible source about the uranium that was sent to Russia. Now, he got a few things wrong here. Let me just play you, and then I will actually tell you what the facts are based on, not just reporting, but what we know from government revelations, um, and, and also what other liberal outlets fact check this on. It's one a minute and he makes the American public believe that President Trump is crazy because that's what they do. CBS Evening News from Wednesday.
0: Well, today President Trump sowed confusion on the Russia investigation. He asked why the media are not covering, quote, money from Russia to Clinton for the sale of uranium. Well, here's why. No credible source alleges that Hillary Clinton was paid by Russia for American uranium. But, like most conspiracy theories, there is an atom of truth in this. By 2013, a Russian company purchased 20 percent of American uranium deposits. That was approved by a committee including Clinton's State Department, but also including the Departments of Treasury, Justice, Defense, Homeland Security, Commerce, and Energy, plus the U.S. Trade Representative and the Office of Science and Technology. Separately, the deal was okayed by the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. Secretary Clinton could not have stopped the deal.
2: That is false. Wrong. It is. Okay, so let me go over with the realtor news. You are fake news. Okay, Trump's Tuesday tweet in full. This was on Tuesday. This is what President Trump wrote. And I love that Trump tweets. I really do because you're getting information right from the president. I love it because you know when is President Trump tweeting, and you know he's so open and genuine about it. It's like great, our president's talking to us. He's not just looking over our heads. Anyway, this is what Trump wrote on Tuesday. Quote: Why the do, why doesn't fake news talk about Podesta ties to Russia as covered by Fox News or money from Russia to Clinton? Sale of uranium. Now, uh, John Podesta, that's who he's referring to. He's the Clinton campaign chairman, and I think he's referring to a Fox and Friends report on this. They do great work, by the way. Mornings are better with friends. Um, Ainsley Earhart and and that whole crew there. Uh, Steve Ducey, Brian Kilmeade. All right, so this is what Trump said, is that Podesta's ties to Russia, which we learned through WikiLeaks, and the sale of uranium. Now, what... Scott Pelley will have you believe here, is that uh, Trump is crazy and he's engaging in conspiracy theories.
0: Bluster, bravado, exaggeration, and a few loose facts.
2: I can't do that deep voice, but because he has a deep voice that he's so absolutely credible. I don't have a deep voice. At least I don't think I do. Okay, But guess what? Let me tell you what the facts are. Because I fact-checked this, and I'm looking at another fact check from PolitiFact, which is a left-leaning, self-appointed fact-checker. Let me tell you what Pelley got wrong here. Well, first of all, nowhere in this tweet from Trump does he explicitly reference Hillary Clinton, which Pelley makes it seem, and the New York Times has previously written about the infamous 2010 uranium deal to which Trump is referring. Now, the deal involved then-Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, signing off on Russia's controlling stake in mining company Uranium One. PolitiFact admits that, quote, some investors with an interest in making their Uranium One deal go through have a long-time relationship with Bill Clinton and have donated to the Clinton Foundation. Now, prior to this Uranium One deal, Bill Clinton was paid $500,000 for a speech by a Russian investment bank. So wait a minute, wait a minute. So we have a false report coming from a Hillary Clinton donor in which she rigged the uh, Trump organization computer to make it seem like it was communicating with Alpha Bank in Russia, but you have Bill Clinton taking $500,000 from a speech from a Russian investment bank. Wait a minute. So Bill Clinton can make a speech in Russia and Trump has the Russian connection. What? I mean, like, backwards. Now, the New York Times picked this story up in April 2015, and this is what the New York Times wrote. Quote, Whether the donations played any role in the approval of the uranium deal is unknown. Uh, The episode underscores the special ethical challenges presented by the Clinton Foundation, headed by a former president who relied heavily on foreign cash to accumulate $250 $250 million in assets, even as his wife helped steer American foreign policy as Secretary of State, presiding over decisions with the potential to benefit the Foundation's donors. And the Associated Press reported that Hillary Clinton gave, of meetings that she was not required to have the Secretary of State, 50% of those meetings were with donors of the Clinton Foundation. And they take money on this, And they make money on a sale of uranium to Russia. What does uranium do? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Uranium, we make nuclear weapons out of them. But, you know, Trump is the fascist, and Trump's going to allow North Korea to run over us. Yeah, okay. Sold uranium to them, they can build nuclear weapons because of Hillary Clinton's sale of uranium. But Scott Pelley didn't go over this in detail like we just went through one minute basically just calling Trump a conspiracy theorist bluster
0: bravado exaggeration and a few loose facts
2: so then you have Hillary Clinton and listen I really want to talk about her because she's not the president and she's worthless Uh, but here's a clip she was at the uh, Tuesday she was at the professional business women of California conference in San Francisco you know coming out of the woods um, here is what um, Hillary had to say, and it has to do with something I want to touch upon, because I've been talking about this, inference of opinion
1: and facts. And look at the sources she cites. There is no place I'd rather be than here with you other than the White House. <laughs> Recently, photos have been making the rounds on social media, showing groups of men in Washington making decisions about women's health. Decisions to strip away coverage for pregnancy and maternity care, or limit access to reproductive health care around the globe. We shake our heads and think, how could they not have invited any women to the table? Well, a provocative opinion piece in the New York Times this week argues that it may not be an oversight at all, but an intentional signal Don't worry, the men are in charge of everything. We will need to fight back twice as hard, not for the sake of politics, but because these are bad policies that will hurt people and take our country in the wrong direction. You know, there's a little mantra I've been repeating to myself lately. It's a little silly, the kind of thing that pops into your head when you take a lot of long walks in the woods. But as I think about the outpouring of activism we're seeing, despite all the noise and the nonsense, four words keep coming back to me. Resist, insist, persist, enlist.
2: She's so annoying. Uh,
1: enlist meaning to go
2: after Trump. Enlisting you know, her army of women who just hate men against bad old Donald Trump. Yeah, well, she used to be friends with him. Uh, maybe Donald Trump should pursue criminal charges and tell you know Jada reinvestigate the Clinton Foundation. I would recommend that. Um, number one, um, why does she have to make all these speeches? She like a comeback tour now. I mean, this is like you know an old musician or an old band trying to revitalize their career. She's done. She's seventy years old. I mean, she's not going to be president. We know that already. And it's actually. <laughs> You know, it hurts the Democratic Party because they can't move on from her. They propped her up, and she was already old news. And they allowed her to, to be the party. They rigged it for her to be the party nominee in 2016. She couldn't break the glass ceiling. Um, she makes allegations that Trump is a sexist, that his administration is sexist. Um, that's absolutely disgusting and you know, if you're going to be fair, if you're going to be fair-minded, then don't call people names. You know, I, obviously she's the sexist here because she's the one that's just blaming men for everything. How could men, you know, God forbid men are, and she's not even right on the fact, but you know, oh my god, men are terrible and men are this. Yeah, your man is terrible, your man cheated on you and probably still has girlfriends, that being Bill Clinton. I did not have sex with that woman. Oh, Jesus. Um, you know, women, though, have been a vital part of the Trump administration, okay? They have been meeting with President Trump on health care for women. You know, he's working at the health care deal. He had a whole panel of women at the White House. In fact, go on to whitehouse.gov, go on to the White House YouTube channel, and you will see President Trump and a bunch of women at a table talking about health care. Amazing. Okay. Um, and, and you know, she's going to hold your hand. She's going to be with you every step of the way. I'm not going away. As she goes up to the woods in Chappaqua, where she lives. Oh, jeez. Um, and one last thing, you know, just because I kind of were talking about women, Ivanka Trump has been, uh, been hit hard this week because President Trump, um, has asked her to be his assistant. Now, she has gone through, and she should, go through all the ethical um, standards and meet all those ethical standards. And I think she'll meet them. It's funny, though, because they're going after her as far as, you know, she has no experience. How could she be in the White House? Um, She's a very established, very successful businesswoman. I guess they can't respect women who are conservative, and she's not even that conservative. She has pretty liberal ideas. I mean, you know, uh, child care, that initiative that President Trump has taken on is a liberal policy. They should love her. She lives in New York City. She's not really a, uh, you know, right winger. Um, and she's been, uh, number one, she's a confidant and a source of strength for her father. Number two, she's very bright. Number three, she's a businesswoman, very successful one, and a successful philanthropist. And they should give her a little credit. Um, You know, Valerie Jarrett, who has set up the nerve center in Obama's D.C. home, she had no experience either. She was in real estate, and they loved her deep in the, you know, Obama shadow government. So, and then they attacked Vice President Pence on social media yesterday. And this is where I'll leave things to the day. But just to show you, you know, more. Uh, nonsense and hypocrisy because if you don't know about this stuff you know I could just not talk about it and I'd rather talk about the policy which I which I always start with I just have to talk about something like this because it's so outrageous um the Washington Post uh, writer Ashley Parker wrote an article yesterday that Mike Pence or vice president once boldly claimed that he never dines with women other than his wife and does not attend events that offer alcohol without his wife, Karen Pence, our second lady, as a state. Now, just down on the face of it, that's beautiful. Um, you know, there are so many politicians who cheat on their wives and their spouses, and we find out these scandals and their political career is ruined. If you could stay centered and have a rock uh, being your spouse, that's incredible. That's fantastic. To have someone who you love so much that you don't that you will not even let yourself be tempted. That's beautiful. That is fantastic. Okay? The leftist activists don't went in the wild over Pence's comments, some even equating his position with Sharia law. So the GOP is up in arms over Sharia Law, yet Mike Pence won't have a business meal with a woman that's not his wife. Sure, that checks out. Tweets Philip Sherburne, some leftist activist. But you know, the the hypocrisy here. He's all he's doing is he's saying I'm not going to cheat on my wife. He's saying I'm not going to go out to dinner with a woman. Well, what's wrong with that? You know he has morals, good for him. But they can't even take they can't even take someone because he's a Catholic, be because he is a conservative. They can't take that he has values and he has morals that. You know, he, well, you should be able to go out with anyone you want. Well, you know, maybe he just doesn't want to. And uh, listen, then they equate this to him being a sexist saying, oh, well, that means he'll never hire a woman in his administration. Wrong. You have two of his top national security advisors, in fact, are women. Okay, so that's just bullcrap. But, you know, the liberal media, they jumped all over this. There was jaw-dropping photos came out today of the vice president during Air Force uh on board Air Force One with a woman other than Mrs. Pence. Oh my god. And it turned out to be Mike Pence's mother. <laughs> I can't get anything on this administration. It's a star girl. I love Pence. He's a good guy. And he comes out now, and he gives the two thumbs up. Tell I'm gonna do my graduation. I'm gonna just two thumbs up, baby. That's why I did in kindergarten, apparently. Into some old pictures. I guess today's our back Thursday. Uh, so that concludes our Thursday podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with God knows what to talk about. Uh, probably a shorter podcast on Friday as we wrap up the week, uh, episode 40 tomorrow. And uh, Sunday's show, we already have a big league show planned. We uh, will be talking about Sanctuary Cities and we'll be talking about uh, connecting dots. And if you haven't read that story about Trump surveillance, because we know that it's true, Check it out on neilacruso.com. And we'll see you on the podcast tomorrow with uh, the latest on this, you know, Russia investigation. (laughs) Unbelievable. All right, we'll see you tomorrow, folks. Until then, God bless you, God bless America, and go make America great again. The Neil Crusoe Show podcast is a production of Crusoe Enterprises. Engaging, informing, and entertaining. Passion driven, factual content that makes a difference following Neil Crusoe on social media. And log on to neilacrusoe.com to sign up for Crusoe's comments,
0: newsletters, and be the first to know.